أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد Continuing with the discussion from last week with regards to the essential attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We talked about the wahdaniyah of Allah ta'ala, meaning not simply that He is one, but a type of singularity of being that He has. <coughs> the singularity we talked about three aspects of it. One is in his that, in his that. The word that translates to English as quiddity in proper philosophical terminology. But I don't like to translate it as quiddity because that always leads to the next question, is, which is what does quiddity mean? Quiddity means the answer to the question, what is that? Whatever that answer is, is the quiddity of a, a, a substance, the thing that makes that thing what it is. So the that of Allah Ta'ala, who is Allah, the answer to that question is that He is one. He's not separable into subsidiary parts. Because if He was, then each of them would be a God. Or if parts of Him were not a God, then that would not be part of Him. It reads, leads to a number of rational uh, uh, conundrums, paradoxes. And the wahdaniyat of that also means for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that there's no other God like Him. That He is one in His essence, that He's indivisible, and in His essence in the sense that there's no multiple entities like that. Lokana fihima alihatan la fasadata. Allah ta'ala Himself puts this very rational uh, argument that if there were more than one God in the heavens and in the earth, you would have seen mischief, they would have been spoiled. But since the same math works on one side of the universe uh, as it does on the other, the same gravity works on one side of the universe as it does in the other, mischief may happen from the volition of those who are given a short rope of choosing their own actions for themselves. Otherwise, the underlying fundamental realities in the universe, they're all consistent in one place or the other. Allah Ta'ala asks, أَأَنْتُمْ أَشَدُّ خَلْقًا أَمِ السَّمَاءُ بَنَاهَا رَفَعَ السَّمْكَهَا فَسَوَّاهَا were you more difficult? Were you more difficult? Were you more extreme? Were you more emphatic and harsh in your creation? Or the heavens? How small is a person? Even if they're powerful like Hitler or like Stalin. How small is a person? Even if they're powerful like Fir'aun. How small is a person? Even if they're powerful like Sultan Suleiman al-Qanuni, the famous Ottoman emperor. Qanuni means the lawgiver. Otherwise, his enemies knew him as Suleiman the Magnificent. Virtue is that thing to which witness is borne by one's enemies. No matter how righteous or how impious, what amount of mischief can a person make that compares to the size of the earth, which is itself nothing compared to the size of the sun, the solar system, galaxies, black holes, Galaxy clusters, galaxy superclusters, all of these things that bound the known and seen universe. 
Allah Ta'ala asked this question Himself. All of them, they move according to a very fixed and predictable set of rules. If you saw more than one God, you would see mischief therein. We talked about the wahdaniyat of Allah Ta'ala and His sifat. That His attributes are His and His alone, even if linguistically we share words for describing the attributes of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. That the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not like the mercy of the creation. The knowledge of Allah ta'ala is not like the knowledge of the creation. They share words. And there's some sense that a person gets about some portion of the interaction of God's attributes with the creation. But the reality of those attributes, every single one of them is completely and 100% singular. It's not, it's not relatable to the creation. And then finally we said that nothing, no cause has any effect in this universe except for through his willing and decreeing that cause and effect to happen. And when he ex makes an exception, and exceptions are quite rare, but when he makes an exception, because if it wasn't rare, it wouldn't be an exception, it would be the rule. When he makes an exception, that's his ability to do so. When Allah Ta'ala caused the moon to split at the ishara of the Prophet when the Rasul sallallahu all of his miracles happened, the pe people drank from the well that sprang from his hand sallallahu The people heard that knowledge of the ghayb that was impossible to have except for through supernatural ability from the Prophet sallallahu He predicted things in the future that would have been impossible to know except for through the ghayb sallallahu And likewise the miracles of all of the Prophets those are exceptions to the rule and they prove that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control of all things. We mentioned this thing last time that we believe in miracles which are kharqul adah, they're not kharqul aql. None of the miracles of the Prophet are anti-rational. They're just anti-conventional. We talked about the difference between the two of them. Inshallah, if somebody wishes to, I can discuss it with them later, uh, lest we sink the entire uh, time of today's short talk in review. But the extension to that talk, talking about the wahdaniyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being so much more than just God being one. So much more than just God being one. It's that he's singular, that he's unique. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his very nature, his essence is what? Unlike that of the creation. It is antithetical to that of the creation. It is diametrically opposed to that of the creation. It is qualitatively different than that of the creation. Thus, we say Tawheed is not simply saying that I worship one God. If somebody worships a cat, says I worship this cat, and I don't worship anything other than this cat. This is not Tawheed. This is not Tawheed in the sense that the Quran taught, and in the sense that the Rasul wasallam taught. Why? Because the, the sifat, the attributes, the nature, the essential reality of this cat is the same as everything else. It's like a person goes into a store and, say, I wanna, and says, I want to buy red paint instead of green paint. There's still multiplicity in the thing that you chose. You have to not only choose one, but it has to be one in the sense that it's singular. It doesn't bear any resemblance to the creation. This brings us to another point which a lot of people are maftoon, a lot of people have some sort of fitna, they're tried and tribulated inside of their minds because of. 
They don't think about these things. They say things, they utter things that they hear and they think that they know what they're talking about and they don't know what they're talking about. When I say Allah Ta'ala does not resemble the creation, it's not me who's saying it. Allah Ta'ala Himself says, وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ كُفُؤًا أَحَدٍ There's nobody like unto Him. The word kufu in the books of fiqh occurs, for example, when talking about marriage. Is such and such a suitable match? If a girl runs away from home and she's like the crown princess of Denmark and then she marries like a garbage collector. Her father can go to the judge and have the marriage annulled. Why? Because there's no kufu, there's no kafa'a between the two of them. There is no kafa'a in any way, shape or form. That small example has to do with marriage as a particular usage of a broader concept indicated by this word. But we say in general, in an unlimited sense, there's no kafa'a between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and any of his creation. There is nobody like unto him. Which means what? I will say this one time and I will say it very clearly. Allah Ta'ala does not have a body and he does not sit in a chair in the sky. Allah Ta'ala does not have a body and he does not sit in the chair in, in a chair in the sky. In that sense, what did what did the ancient Greek pagans, what did the Hindu current pagans believe? What did the Roman pagans believe? What did the pagan Arabs believe? They believed in gods that are anthropomorphic, that move around in time and in space, that see things, they make an idea about it, and maybe tomorrow they change their mind. We do not believe in that. It's just like saying, I worship this dog or I worship this cat, and only that one, no other one. It's one choice out of a number of other choices. Allah Ta'ala describes Himself as what? There is nothing like unto him. There's nobody has any, nothing from the creation, no item from the creation. Whether it's a person, whether it's a physical manifestation, whether it's an idea, whether it's a time, whether it's a place, none of it, none of it at all has any sort of relationship with him. Someone will say, this guy is getting up and now he's crossed the line. He's spouting all this nonsense. Allah Ta'ala says in his book, Yadullahi Fawqa Aidihim. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says in his book, Alal Arsh Istawa. Allah Ta'ala says in his book, all of these things that, that a person might think this is what? A reference to some sort of attribute like the attribute of created things. This is a good point. It comes up to people. People are maftoon by it. People who don't study, people who don't ponder, people who don't listen to what the Mashaikh said and don't listen to what the Aslaf said. The companions, the tabi'een, their successors and their successors and the people who carry their chain of narration to this day, they're maftoon by these things. This is a fitna for them because they think I'm sticking to the Qur'an by thinking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a body in a chair in the sky. How will you dispel that? Allah ta'ala in his own book, in Surah Ali Imran, he mentions, He's the one who sent down upon you, Ya Muhammad alayka salatu wasalam, the book, meaning the Qur'an. Certain verses of it are muhkamat. They're very clear in their delineation. It's very clear what they're talking about. This is not a metaphor for the beauty of springtime. This is not really a metaphor for anything. It's very clear what the point of this ayah is. That there is something called theft, and there's a punishment for it, which is what? Decapitation. Does it say anything about how much the theft has to be, which circumstances are exceptions to this rule? No, not at all. 
But the general idea is very clear to a person. You don't need to be a specialist in order to understand what it means. Hunna umul kitab. Such clear verses are what? Are the bulk of the book. They form the backbone of the message that is being communicated by the Lord to the creation. Wa ukharu mutashabihat. And there are other ones that are allegorical. They're allegorical. Mutashabihat means what? Something looks like it's being said, but it's actually something else. The words resemble one set of meanings in the head, but they mean something else. Mutashabihat. Mutashabihat. They seem like one thing. They may seem like one thing to a person, but they're talking about something else. The very nature of wahi is what? The very nature of revelation is what? To teach mankind that which he knows not. Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam tell us about jinns. They tell us about creation. They tell us about before the existence of time. They tell us about a hereafter. They tell us about bodily resurrection. They tell us about a Jannah, which no eye has ever seen, nor ear has ever heard, nor has ever occurred to any heart whatsoever. They're using words to describe those things that there are no words to describe. They are using words to describe those things that there are no words to describe. Now imagine if you flew to some remote island where people have been untouched by modernity, untouched by technology, and you yourself only came with the clothes on your back and you were trying to explain to somebody how a cell phone works. You can get the general idea across. Right? How can you use like pre-modern verbiage that there is a, a, a small rectangular object maybe in the shape of like a very thin box and I can somehow modify it in order to speak to somebody else who has the same box somewhere halfway across the world. You can get the general idea across. The person will understand it. Does that mean that the person knows how to manufacture that box? No. The point is you're trying to explain to them something that they've never seen before, they've never heard of before, they never understood. To explain to somebody how a cell phone works is a lot easier to explain than somebody who is themselves from the creation about that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is unlike the creation. They're using words to describe those things that there are no words to describe. The point you're supposed to get from this is Allah ta'ala's greatness is something that is sublime and is above and beyond that of the creation. Afterward, to think that now I know how to manufacture this cell phone yourself and myself, this is a type of stupidity, this is a type of silliness, it will 100% it will lead to failure. It will be like that person on the island who finds a black rock and then sands it down into the shape of the cell phone and paints you know, the home screen on it and says, look, it's a phone. It's not. It's fake. Something. It's inside a person's mind. 100% inside the person's mind. If somebody were to say, all of these things you're saying about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he's not a body that sits in a chair in the sky, and these are my proofs, and I, you also heard, you, you, so you spit off a, a number of mutashabihat from the Quran and from the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And then on the flip side, I said, well, he, he says himself that there's no one like unto him. He says himself that, huwa alladhi fi samai ilahun wa fil ardi ilah. He's the one who's God in the heavens and in the earth. So you can't just point in a particular direction and say this is a physical, spatial relationship. Other than the fact that the earth is spherical and if everybody pointed up like this, it would be pointing in a million different directions. If it meant spatial orientation. And that the earth is literally moving. Other than the complete and utter irrationality of the proposition. 
which our deen is not irrational. There's no place inside the Quran where it says, don't think, thinking too much, reasoning too much is a bad thing. It in fact blames the kuffar for not being people who think and not being people who reason. Other than that, think about this inside of your head. If you were to be at, at work and someone asks you, you know, can we have the New Year's party on the 3rd of January instead of the 1st? Because half the office will be out of country or whatever. So yeah, I have to go talk to the people upstairs first. Think about that. What if the boss is in the basement at that moment? Can you say this person has lied? No. These are very common figures of speech. They're very common human figures of speech. Now someone might say, well, this is a type of interpretation uh, that, that you, know, you shouldn't take these liberties with, with, with relation to the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. First of all, if you read the Book of Allah ta'ala, absolutely, literally, this is always going to be a failure. You and the, those who you worship other than Allah are going to be the hasabu jahannam antum laha waridun. They'll be the gravel of the hellfire, that hellfire to which you are about to come. Does this mean the Christians who worship Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam, that he is going to be the gravel of the hellfire will iyadu billah with them? If a person says that, it's kufr. Try to extend your mind in such a way that makes the Qur'an not fight with itself. Because the Qur'an itself mentions one of its own sifat, its own attributes. As, أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ وَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ عِنْدِ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ لَوَجَدُوا فِيهِ اخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا Do they not ponder deeply over this Qur'an and know that if it came from other than Allah, they would have found much discord inside of it. That you have to fight one verse over the other. Or is it the superior way to think about when something is said, what the possible meanings of this are? And which meanings are harmonious with which meanings? I'll give you another example. Someone says, Shaykh, don't say that, the, uh, 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 that Christians and Jews are kafirs. They're the people of the book. Okay. Well, it says, uh, you know, uh, it says, لَمْ يَكُنِ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ وَالْمُشْرِكِينَ مُنْفَكِّينَ حَتَّى What are you going to do with that? Are you going to fight one verse of the Qur'an against the other? What kind of stupid person would believe in a religion? That the book itself, it doesn't make any sense. It fights with itself. This is not revelation. This is schizophrenia. Why would a person choose to think about the writ of the Lord like that? Whereas we would not even trust ourselves. We would not even want to visit a person that has this psychological condition, but we somehow think about Allah Ta'ala that way. This is not correct. Allah Ta'ala gives the answer and gives the correction and gives the cure to this disease and gives the solution to this problem in that same verse of Surah Ali Imran. As for those people who have crookedness inside their heart, deviation inside their heart, instead of focusing on those things that are muhkamat in the book of Allah Ta'ala, that are clear in their indication, pray, give sadaqah, make hajj, be good to the poor, don't harm other people. Tell people a good word, a good message. Instead of fixating on those things, what do they fixate on? They fixate on the mutashabihat, seeking to interpret them. Those things that are using words to describe those things that there are no words to describe. They fixate on trying to interpret those things. Seeking the interpretation, thereby seeking fitna. Fitna means what? Fitna, the basic meaning, the proper meaning, if you look up in one of the classical Arabic lexicons is what? Is punishment. It's not a test. It's that test. It metaphorically means that test that you'll fail and you'll be punished because of your failure. Its actual meaning is what? Punishment. They're seeking the punishment of the Lord by trying to interpret these verses. 
And nobody knows the meaning of these verses except for Allah. And those people are firmly rooted in knowledge. They say we believe in it. So if there's anything, anything in the book of Allah Ta'ala and in the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that linguistically bears a number of different possible meanings. Some of which indicate or imply that Allah Ta'ala resembles His creation. You know you can discount those possibilities to the exclusion to their exclusion and take the other possibilities to the exclusion of those verses that indicate that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is somehow just another Greek god but we worship one of them instead of 12 of them. It's a very simple concept and if it confuses a person, if someone said this guy talked about all this nonsense and talked about quiddity, I don't understand what the point of this khutbah is, then suffice to say what? Whatever is there in the Quran just say, I believe in it. Whatever the description of Allah Ta'ala is, just say, I believe in it. Don't then go in and try to say that the chair of Allah looks like this and that, the, the, you know, that he's in this particular direction and, and you have to say it in this way. And not, just believe in it. Just believe in it. You believe in it, I believe in it. Leave the rest of it on the side. Don't try to interpret it. Why? Because those people who exert themselves in trying to interpret it, they seek the punishment of Allah Ta'ala by seeking their interpretation. And nobody knows their complete interpretation except for Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. As for the people who are firmly rooted in knowledge, they say we believe in it. All of it is from our Lord. All of it is from our... It doesn't say go around asking people which direction is Allah and point and don't know. What does it mean? It's just we believe in it. All of it is from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. And nobody will take this reminder except for the people of wisdom. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clear out all of this junk from our heart that makes us think of Allah ta'ala as some part of the creation, no matter how souped up it may be. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give in our heart the illumination of what? Knowing His transcendence above His creation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put that in our heart and put, make that the cornerstone of our remembrance. This is the meaning of La ilaha illallah, is all of these things. وَقَوْلُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Muhammadun arsaluhu al-ilah yajma'a kulla hadhihi al-ma'ani kana lidha alamatul imani All of these meanings, they're all gathered into the saying of la ilaha illallah, the true understanding of Allah Ta'ala's transcendence. It gathers all of these meanings. And for that reason, it is the sign of iman. So, next time you say it, remember all of these things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all tawfiq. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.